0: Hey there, this is Adam. Uh, If you've been listening to all of these recent episodes, well, you're probably my mom, but regardless, you also will know that there has been a backlog in getting these posted, meaning that we're, well, you're probably familiar with the concept of a backlog and you can apply it to the situation without a minutely detailed explanation from me. So really all you need to know, and you probably don't even need to know that, is this episode you're about to hear was recorded in May and that's relevant insofar as the circumstances of the pandemic have changed somewhat since then, and there are references to that. So I uh, hope you enjoy.
1: I'm Adam Strauss. And I'm Jordan Niper MD. And this is not therapy. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much therapy. It's not therapy, man.
0: Okay. Um so I'm not even sure if we need to record an episode slash session, but I I suggested we do this one, Jordan, because we were catching up on the phone as as friends and I realized that I, I'm always leery of 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 us basically having too much ordinary offline contact lest we um lest we steal the thunder, the drama uh, for each other of this podcast really for you as you discover what's going on in in my life so yeah but there, there is stuff going on and i'm in a state of some degree of confusion of puzzlement about clara and yeah just as a friend i wanted your advice so i don't know if this will be a, a full episode maybe we'll just use an excerpt of this combine it with with other stuff to create an episode but um Yeah, I wanted to catch you up and and get your, your personal and professional perspective on what's been going on.
1: Yeah, yeah. So last time we talked, I think was right after she'd come back from a trip to be with her family, and she hit the door, and some stuff came up for you.
0: Yeah, she had been gone for a little less than a week, and... Yeah, and I woke up that morning that she was coming back, and I felt very strongly, I don't want her to come back. And it was really more of a feeling. Like, intellectually, I felt like, of course, I wanted to come back. I, I enjoy her company. Also, pragmatically, yeah, it, you know, we are in a lockdown situation. It's not like I, I don't want to make it seem like I wouldn't, uh, like she's my fallback, but clearly, there is something to be said for the the fact that uh, if I'm not hanging out with her, I'm not hanging out with anyone.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, even though I was very much looking forward to her, her, her return, when it was suddenly imminent, I felt like, I don't know if I want her to come back. And I was puzzled by this because, yeah, it just was, when she left, I felt very close to her, very much like I can't wait for her to return and There is something nice. I mean, I've lived alone for 17 years since that relationship with Annie ended, the one that effectively marked the start of my period of really sort of full-blown OCD. Mm. And certainly, there are some pleasures in being alone that I've grown accustomed to, just having completely, having control over my own space and my own time. But it's not like Clara is, you know, it's like she's in my way during our, typically during the past, because we'd been quarantining together nonstop for about three and a half weeks prior her, to her departure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the practicalities of, you know, you you got used to being alone, it's convenient being alone, you get the whole bed to yourself, you get to do what you want, you know, that's all real and that's there, I get that. But I think it also, clearly, especially given the, um, the intensity of the emotions that were coming up for you. It belies something deeper that was arising in you in response to her coming back, beyond Ab- just the practicalities of giving up your space and your privacy, et cetera.
0: Absolutely. And so we had our, we did our last recording, you and I, and and I got in touch with some of that really deep feeling of overwhelm, of fear, of vulnerability, even if I couldn't quite construct a narrative around it. I could speculate that what what it might be about, but nothing necessarily rang really true as to why I was having such strong feelings, but I was. And we stopped recording. I went out, she was already back by then, and we had a really good talk. I was pretty open with her about these feelings coming up, about me not being totally clear what they were about, but, but feeling them pretty strongly and she was yeah she was understanding she didn't take it personally and she said you know hey listen i can i can cuz she has her own apartment in san francisco she's like i can you know give you some more time and so we had a couple of of nice days together when she was back then she did leave for a couple of nights went to her place then she came back and i had mentioned to her yeah, I might as well just get you caught up. So, but also, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds. I feel like sometimes we have a tendency to do this of the sort of the events. I, I guess all right, very top yeah, I level. Think
1: I, yeah, I think I'm 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 much more interested in what's been tracking, what's been going on for you emotionally, rather. And yeah, so that can that's obviously important to tie to actual events. But I think that's the level of analysis we're trying to focus most on is what's going on for you inside of you. Yeah. So to give you the events,
0: just the the bare outlines related to that. So so she was back then after she got back from her parents, she was back for two days. Then she left for two days um, and I appreciated the space again. Mm-hmm. And then she came back and I did not feel that strong sort of overwhelmed panic reaction when she came back. I appreciated her being back, but it also felt like I almost feel a little bit numb to the relationship in some ways now, like, hmm. I don't know, there was such joy when she left for her parents in her, in her presence and in her company. And I wasn't really feeling that. Now one factor may be her, as we've discussed previously, she suffers from premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is essentially, a, you know, not just heightened, PMS, but really, really ties to very intense moods. And when she was younger, she was actually on SSRIs for this. She would just be on them for a few weeks around it. So this is, this is a a big thing for her Mm -hmm. and she's developed a lot of strategies and tools to deal with it and she deals with it well, but it's, it's still a factor. Her, her, she gets into fairly dark moods Mm -hmm. when she's premenstrual and she was at this time. And so I mentioned that because it doesn't feel to me like that's a huge factor, but she'll often, when we have discussions about our relationship and how we're feeling, she'll often bring that up as like, yeah, the way she says it, she's like, well, you know, I'm not sparkly now. And that probably changes how you're feeling in some ways too. But my conscious awareness was just kind of like, well, it's nice having her here, but I'm not feeling overwhelming love. I'm feeling appreciation. I'm feeling affection and I'm feeling, yeah, a little bit numb and maybe part of that numbness also just has to do with the time that we're living in now, these pandemic quarantine times where days blend into one another. And even though as you and I have discussed, my existence is very pleasant right now. Mm -hmm. I'm living in this beautiful house in the hills of Oakland. I. I miss my career and I miss performing, but there's no question that performing can be stressful and intense. So I've been feeling generally very calm and peaceful and grateful for my life, but there is this sort of sense of the world at large, certainly for many people, the world at large is is terrifying. They're, they're yeah. in you know, great distress economically or health issues. But for those of us who have been spared by dint of privilege or luck, the sort of most immediate rough uh, results of the pandemic. I think there is a sense of, yeah, this kind of suspended animation, sort of something feeling unmoored. So that may be part of what I'm feeling, but yeah. And it, it's, so we had the, these last two days and then she would had to go back to her apartment in San Francisco for something logistical anyway. Uh, And I mentioned, hey, maybe you'll stay there for a few days. And she said, well, I wasn't planning on it, but yeah, if that's what you'd like, I'm totally fine with that. And we talked about it. One concern I had is I didn't want her to feel rejected in any way. And she was very, very okay with that. I basically said, I don't want you to feel rejected. You know, I'm the one who's kind of saying you can stay or I'd rather have more space. And she said, no, believe me, I, I totally understand the space thing. I'm often the one who needs more space. And she said, you know what? I, I feel some of this too, where it's it can be intense being with each other all the time. And then we talked more and I said something that that felt a little bit risky to me, but felt true. I said, sometimes I feel lonely when we're together and it feels like we're not really sharing our experience. Mm. And that, that is how it felt like she's here, but we're not totally connected. And she related to that fully. And she had a good point. She said, you know, part of it may be, we actually haven't had, we haven't spent more than two nights together in the last two weeks. And so maybe there's something to be said for having more time together so we can kind of get into a groove and get reacquainted. She said, you know, in her experience with relationships, there's often a period when you're reunited with a lover of kind of getting comfortable around each other. Mm -hmm. And so we had that conversation. I started feeling like, like, yeah, maybe it's better if she doesn't leave, go to her place. Maybe it's better if we spend some more time. But she actually started feeling like, yeah, maybe I should go to my place to ride out this whole premenstrual dysphoric disorder thing, even though I was very careful to say to her, listen, I'm fine with you being in that, that state. It doesn't bother me, but she felt like maybe it was for the best. And so she left, and even as she was leaving, she was saying maybe she would spend three nights, and I was saying, well, I hope it's just two. Like, I really don't want her gone for that much. But as soon as she left, I felt better. And I don't know exactly what I mean by better. I mean, part of my hesitation in recording a podcast right now with you is, yeah, all of this is very murky to me. It's very murky what I'm feeling, and there's not a lot of intensity around it. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's kind of this almost, like I, I said, sort of numb, disconnected, I don't know. I, I, well, that's interesting, because yeah. I
1: think in insofar as we're recapitulating therapy, that's the perfect time right <laughs> to do this work together is not when you're you know we're just coming together so you can relate to me what went on and how you understand it and how you figured it out but it's so that we can we can get into that murk together and see what can be unpacked and i think a, a lot of the value of the last session we did was how we were really just kind of focusing on more the direct kernels of your experience and just what was going on in your body what was come up what was coming up rather than necessarily getting as preoccupied as we sometimes do on figuring it out yeah so I think yeah, that's a,
0: yeah. well I'll I'll put this in the terms of so there is though as we often have a decision to be made and the decision is so right now she is planning on coming back either tomorrow or the next day. We haven't confirmed. And I don't know, everything is on the table for me. Mm-hmm. I I, I don't know when I want her to come back. I'm fairly sure, I don't think it's an if question. I think I do want her to come back, but maybe I want her, maybe, maybe it's better if her and I connect in a very different way. Like I was thinking about maybe it's better if, almost like if it weren't pandemic times where, yeah, you know i'm living here alone and maybe she comes over every few days and she spends the night and then she leaves the next afternoon or something like that I, I i don't know i yeah i was thinking about it she we were talking before she left and i started feeling like part of what was coming up yeah i didn't mention this um this is just coming to me now was also vulnerability because we were also talking about the fact that she has this other lover who she's not been seeing she's been She's been with me exclusively due to the circumstances, but she's asked me if I am comfortable with her starting to see him soon. And I think I am in the sense of it's one point, one more point of contact and the coronavirus numbers in the Bay Area are extremely low overall. He's been quarantining diligently for a long time. So I didn't feel like I could deny her that under the guise of, well, there's some risk. Because sure, there is some risk, but there's also some risk going to the grocery store. Nor did I feel like I necessarily wanted to deny her that. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is an important, vital relationship for her. And I'm very open to the idea of, yeah, of polyamory, of you have different connections with different people and it's not a zero sum game. It's not like she appreciates me less because she also has this other person in her life but I started feeling like maybe there's vulnerability around that. I'm not sure, but what did become clear as her and I were talking is there's some, I, I think one of the questions I've been grappling with is how much of what I've been feeling recently is just a desire to have more space and how much of it is some sort of self protection thing, some sort of trying to avoid vulnerability. And by the way, I make no value judgment about avoiding vulnerability. Yes, it's true that my avoiding vulnerability kept me alone for many years or kept me limited to these, you know, fairly superficial, mostly sexual relationships rather than having a deep connection. But I also feel like that can be a legitimate choice. I can say, yeah, I don't want this much vulnerability in my life, but I want to be clear on what's really going on so I can make an informed decision. What I don't want to get into is what I was in for so many years, which was turning my back on relationships and it really being about vulnerability, not wanting to feel vulnerable, but me coming up with excuses that I believe, like, oh, you know, like we talked about the perfectionism, the fault finding, oh, her her yeah. left eyebrow isn't even. I mean, not literally that, but these <laughs> minute, uh, yeah, the, yeah. This, these, so. And to be clear, I'm not doing that with her. As we've discussed, I do have, yeah, it does pop up. I do have that little voice sometimes that will say find things, but I just don't really pay attention to it. And that to me has been a big victory, but I wonder if maybe the overriding algorithm of my sort of OCD self-protection is keep Adam alone because alone is safe. And so if the fault-finding didn't work as a strategy to keep me alone because I'm not buying into it, maybe my brain is now coming up with a new strategy which is give me this sort of general feeling of, yeah, I don't know, this is okay, but I can sort of take it or leave it because that is how it feels some of the time, yet I know
1: does I would that, miss her. I mean, does that... I'm not hearing you say that the, the attitude is that you're done, or or is that there? Is there a part of you that's saying, no, maybe, I'm, maybe I actually don't want to see her at all anymore, maybe it's over. Or is it more, no. uh, it's more maybe I want to scale back.
0: Yeah, it's more maybe I want to scale back. And why do I want to scale back? Right. I just feel like it could be very and so the easy question and comfortable on. for me to, to sorry, just to finish this thought, because I think it's um, maybe very relevant. It feels like it's easy, it would be very easy and comfortable for me to Kind of unquestioningly, just sort of start to yeah step back a little bit, sort of float away. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, my I I want to. I'll throw one more thing at you. I'm kind of giving you the 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 grist for the mill, and I want to see what you come up with. But the last thing is, she said. So I started feeling like, oh, this is there's some vulnerability here as we her and I were talking. Maybe it has to do with her other lover. Maybe it has to do with. I don't know. And she said, well, what are you afraid of or is it? And then she said, you know, for me, I know the thing I'm always afraid of is just being left, being rejected, someone not wanting me anymore. She said, is that it for you? And I thought about it and I said, maybe, but I think it also may be just as much, if not more, the fear of me being the lever rather than the Yeah. And it was a delicate thing to talk about with her, where she would be the potential person I'm leaving, but I feel Mm -hmm. like maybe at some level, my deepest fear, Jordan, is that I I lose some interest, is that I don't wanna be with her, which is a weird thing to be afraid of, because if I don't wanna be with her, then there's nothing I'm losing. I don't wanna be with her. It's like I'm afraid that I won't want her, which implies that I really do want her, otherwise why would I be afraid? Does that make sense?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, that makes so much sense to me. and. We've talked about this before and we'll continue to talk about it. This fear of hurting somebody, hurting a woman is huge and I think has been very operative in both of our lives. And I definitely want to jump on, you know, one of the things you just said there, something to the effect of, if I leave her, then why should I feel upset because... It's over. I'm I'm gone. Or it's uh, basically. I, I guess. I mean, it's like this sort of Cash Twenty Two,
0: where I'm afraid I won't. I'm afraid I won't want her. But then, why would I be afraid of that? Unless if I wanted her. <laughs> Like, why would I be afraid yeah. of losing someone if I'm not afraid of losing that person? It's like almost a tautology. I don't know if I'm using that term entirely correctly. <laughs> but
1: Sure sounds nice,
0: though. It's never never stopped me from using big words before. Yeah. It's really
1: uh, ontological.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's an onomatopoetic conceit, I think, is what we're talking about with the divergent paradigmatic. The epistemic.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I think there's a third <laughs> there's a third right, possibility I, there which is that um you might not want to be with somebody. I'm not saying this is about her, but th- this is, you know, certainly a theme in But my you're life. afraid of hurting but, them. But you're afraid of hurting them because you because an you're an empathetic bad. human being. Because you're an empathetic oh, human being, but it's, you know, this is You're this afraid is of what it says stuff. about you. This is mom stuff for me, at least. Yeah, I'm afraid of being a quote bad guy. I'm afraid of hurting I'm afraid of leaving someone and and hurting them because i feel it's almost as if in my mind there exists like a like a f- panel of female judges that i'm afraid of like someone will like bang their gavel and say like jordan is hereby excommunicated from the world of women all women on the planet have been told about this behavior no one will ever date you again you're bad you hurt someone and you're bad and it's this you know i think wait but i i have to just jump in there cuz you kind
0: of mixed up two different things there which i would say is kind of one is you're bad which to me is an internal feeling of shame that no one else may know about but the other is that in some way this is actually going to hurt your standing or or ability to other women. I'm not saying
1: actually, I'm not saying it's not a okay. literal fear that like there's some WhatsApp group with all the women in the world <laughs> where it's going to Meanwhile get
0: they're out. texting furiously
1: on the, the <laughs> all woman WhatsApp chain about it. <laughs> he found out about us. How did he know? No, but it's a it's a fantasy, right? It's a but it's a fantasy but that's not to downplay the reality of it because so much of You know, and this gets a little metaphysical and and high school stoner-ish, but it's, you know, um, fantasy is a huge part of what is driving us in the world. The world, you know, the realm of symbol and fantasy. Mm -hmm. And so in my
0: mind. Meaning like our ideas in our own mind. of Exactly. We're not, we're, we're. and you mean high school rish if I can extend on that in the sense of we're never grappling with actual quote unquote objective reality. We're grappling with our ideas and concepts and perceptions. Yeah. And those basically. include these quote unquote fantasies,
1: ideas and concepts and perceptions. Yeah. And characters. Um, we talked about object relations before of like sort of characters in the mind. Um, this, you could also think of it as like the super ego, and and I don't know if that's a concept you're familiar with, and in, in sort of I am. Traditional I, I was a Freudian psych major, but yeah, why don't you? <laughs> oh, why don't I'm you so, go like, into sorry, it? Sorry, sorry. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll have you know, I have an undergrad <laughs> degree in psychology, so. Uh, uh, or actually, why don't I? Why don't I define superego, just to uh, show off my? Right, because when in, in Freudian analysis, there's the id. The ego and the super ego, yeah, and the super ego is sort of the the moralistic. Would you say?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Keep going. Or is that the kind of? Yeah, uh, I, was, I was hoping you'd come in there, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't. T- t- no, yeah, <laughs> I, I do not betray that my own that. basic ignorance. Yeah, it's the know, idea of right know. and wrong. Like ego is it is sort of the infantile, like wanting, grasping, desiring. Well, that's impulses. kind of the id. The Id is that's like, what I just said? It. Oh, yeah. Oh, you said the id. Yeah 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 step back jordan i know <laughs> no <that's,
1: laughs> Sorry, I the, jump I, in and be I your super ego, I, ego there yeah so, yeah, there's so the the Id, then, ego, then there's the ego
0: which is the more conscious like goals directions values
1: yeah and- i think the idea is the ego is where we integrate the id and the super ego mm-hmm. so the super ego yeah is is my understanding of it and again i i, I i'm not that good with the classical freudian stuff but it's like yeah where we've downloaded these cultural ideas and ideas from our parents about how to be and stuff uh, what is moral as you said and i have a very strong um i'll call it like uh matriarchal super ego or something mm-hmm. or like um another fancy psychoanalytic term could be like an introjected matriarch in my mind in when you introject something it's like you take something in and make it a part of your mind so i have this i have this fear of like a yeah of sort of like a big um it's this yeah it's exactly like I said it's like the WhatsApp group of all the women in the world who if I hurts if I break up with someone and hurt their feelings I'm afraid that I'm going to be excommunicated from the land of women um and that's uh, th- those are very high stakes right for for anybody um, But
0: you obviously you don't literally believe this so I again I get the idea of shame and I can potentially relate to that I'd want to explore further this idea that oh I've hurt someone therefore I'm a bad person and I'm open to the idea of that shame being particularly keen when it comes to women because yes a big part of my history primary caregiver relationship was this feeling that I hurt my mother
1: repeatedly yeah
0: by my you know behavior
1: but again when we're doing when we're doing therapy what we literally believe is not that's not so important like that's not mm-hmm. cuz what you literally believe is you're a an intelligent adult who gets things done in the world and takes care of himself like i totally i'm i'm very confident in what you literally believe and when we you know get together to talk about politics or something or whatever we're talking about that yeah then we're kind of more getting down on the level of what we believe, what we think with our rational adult minds. But when we're getting into the life of emotions, what we literally believe is not so important because it's not what is driving that part of you is not what is driving this these anxieties, these fears. It's we wanna get down to these layers of the little infant, the little kid who still lives inside your brain, who lives in all of our brains, And throws up these emotional responses in times of fear and times of threat. And that kid lives in this world that's very, that's populated by symbol and fantasy and archetype and things like that. Um, And so while Adam grown up, Adam Strauss doesn't knows that Clara is a very mature, stable, smart woman. And that if it ends, she's going to keep it in perspective and she's going to be fine. I, I'll bet you, I'll, you know, I'll bet you bottom dollar that inside of you, there's a part of you that is afraid of, you know, that something terrible happens if you break her heart. Oh, a hundred percent, but that's. And she destroys you in return and you get in trouble or excommunicated or something. That's kind of, that's sort of my fantasy of what might be going on. Inside right, you. right.
0: I see what you're saying. Because, of course, it's not a deep, it's not a deep down hidden thing. My fear of hurting her is real, but it's limited to that. I don't imagine there being actual repercussions right. out in the world right and
1: because that's not what but it sounds actually- like your
0: conception part of your conception of this fear is does include even though you recognize them as r- irrational, this idea that oh there could be i could pay a high price for this somehow with other women
1: no no that's just on the level of fantasy i don't actually think that right now i know you don't actually th- think that
0: but that that's floating around there where i feel like that part doesn't even feel like it's floating around for me
1: yeah yeah. well that's but that and that's kind of my thing that's how my that's my interpretation of my own i guess what i'm saying is is why
0: are you treating me when you're
1: clearly more (laughs) fucked up than i am this whole Uh, but trust me i've asked myself with with patients who are much more fucked up than you
0: (laughs) and yet you have the uh and yet you have the diploma on the wall so all right
1: i mean it's a poorly kept secret that people who go into becoming therapists you know we don't go into it because we woke up one day we're like man i am so stable and dialed that i'm just going to share this with other people right (laughs) it comes from the it's the archetype of the wounded healer right yeah for sure for sure no but i just yeah i want to just respond to what you're saying like yeah i don't want to project my own sort of fantasy experience with this onto you this uh, this fantasy of the of the whatsapp group or some you know something that's still that's not an actual fear in my mind like i also am very rational and intelligent and understand how the world works and i know that i can break up with someone and that it's not gonna lead to any material change in my life but the more we are in touch with these big scary fantasies that exist sort of under the the level of our consciousness that often come out in dreams. For example, it's like we all go to sleep every night and this crazy shit happens in our mind that is makes no rational sense, but it, 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 it gives us a window into what this unconscious fantasy life is. And so not to project mine onto yours, but I would imagine that while you know that, Claire nothing nothing actually out in the world bad will happen if you break up with her there's a level on which you know maybe it might show up in your dream life or something one of these days that there are some serious fears around what might happen if you hurt her yeah and, and
0: th- so th- unquestionably fear of hurting her I think is somewhere in the mix though it hasn't been very conscious but it feels I'm also like I, I know I would miss her terribly if yeah. if we did break up. But it feels yeah, like I don't feel that knowledge. It's an intellectual knowledge and it's not intellectual like I I really absolutely believe that's true. But what I'm in touch with is more this kind of oh, it's sort of nice being at this place alone when yeah. she's not here and yeah. yeah, it just it I keep coming back to this feeling. It feels like I'm dissociating from something or Disconnecting well, yeah. from
1: something. Yeah, there's a lot of things you said earlier that I still want to respond to, and one yep, of them is please. is totally that. This, yeah, you used in this conversation the words numb, dissociated, uh, and and you related to it to the context of of what's going on right now, the COVID pandemic, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. That's definitely going on in my life. I am similar to you. I'm in a pretty good place right now. I'm sort of, things are like, things are humming along. I'm getting a lot done. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm like very productive right now. I'm jumping on top of, I just, you know, sent in a big like cumbersome piece of paperwork to renew my driver's license earlier than i had to i'm like yeah you're crushing it you're getting it done yeah but i'm totally and i'm working out a lot i'm like working out pretty hard every day but i'm totally disconnected right now from the subtle levels of the ebb and flow of sensation in my body the flow of emotion as it's coming through me and i'm i'm aware of that and i'm not quite sure what to do about it because i don't necessarily feel like slowing down right now i know there's unprocessed fear and sadness inside of me i was just talking about this in therapy the other day my own therapy as a receptacle and (laughs) therapy receptacle as opposed to a therapy dispenser yeah my own my own therapy receptacle session consumer and um yeah, and we were, you know, we were kind of working to map this territory out. Like, slow down, go inside. I was lying on my bed. Um, it was a phone session. I was just like lying on my bed, going into sensations in my body, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I think that's there's sadness in there." And I couldn't, I couldn't quite get in touch with it and get it to move. It was more like, yeah, I felt like um, I was looking at a gazelle through binoculars or something. Like, ah, sadness you should you should try to get close to that at some point i don't know how to do that right now i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna go pay my phone bill instead yeah yeah I think that's going on for a lot of people right now it's dissociation it's a trauma response in many ways yeah a- and s- So let me acknowledge
0: that, and I do agree with that, and I wonder if that's also happening not just in the general context of this pandemic, but also specifically with Clara. Not that I'm experiencing trauma, but is it possible? Of course it's possible, but it is what's going on here. Is there some intimation within me that, oh, you're deeply vulnerable right now in a way you haven't been with a woman in probably more than a decade? And as a self-protection thing, let's kind of dissociate a little bit and let's kind of act like, yeah, we could take this or leave this. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm, in, I'm enjoying this, but you know, I'm also enjoying being alone. So either way, however this goes, I'm fine. You're fine, Adam. You don't have to worry about this.
1: Yeah, 100%. That sounds very plausible to me. That sounds, I wanna, I wanna dig into, I think digging a little further into some of the other stuff will, will help us. We'll come back to that maybe. Yeah. Because when we're talking about scaling back with her, I you know I'm, I heard you say talking about scaling back, um, as sort of is this a pathological response to feeling vulnerable that I want to scale back, or is it normal? And I hear Let me you. Just, go mm-hmm. ahead. Well, just to clarify,
0: y- yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like. I guess this is what I want to clarify. I, I, don't, I didn't use the word pathological.
1: That's my and point. I think
0: that's an important distinction because I see it as not pathological, if that's what I'm doing, but a choice. I want it to be a choice, yeah. though. That's the thing is I want it to be a conscious right. choice because in the past... I wasn't consciously choosing to make myself less vulnerable. I thought it was just that this woman's eyebrows weren't even, or she used the word tautology wrong, or we don't have the same sense <laughs> of humor. And therefore, of course, this can't be the woman I'm gonna spend my life with. And I was looking at every relationship through the frame of, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one that's gonna replace Annie? Yeah. Who, when she left, I developed OCD. And there's a lot to say about that in, in regards to Clara, and in regards to the fact that it's, an uh, polyamorous relationship because that immediately diffuses one of the beautiful things of polyamory is it diffuses the idea of there being uh, the one, you know? And instead mm-hmm. I can look at it as, oh, Clara gives me a lot of wonderful things and it, there's a there's a lot of beautiful facets to what we're creating together. But of course she's not everything because no one person is everything and I don't have to find one person to be everything. So that was a little bit of a sidebar back to the but path the idea of pathology here. Yeah, I think it can be a legitimate choice for me to say, hey, you know what, I've gotten really comfortable with being, with having a certain level of vulnerability. I've already had more vulnerability with her than I've had with anyone in a long time and maybe I just don't want more, or maybe I don't want more right now at this time of the pandemic when things are weird anyway. Or maybe I want to get there at a slower pace. Maybe I want to slow down the rate of increase. So I, I, I'll i take out I'll, the word pathological, but your question minus that word is absolutely valid. To what extent is this a trying to avoid vulnerability? And to what extent is this a more general just, hey, I, I like having some space?
1: Yeah. And thank you for Pushing back against that a little bit, yeah, because I did inject that word, pathological, and I really appreciate how you are, perhaps in contrast to how you might have been in the past, you're giving yourself a break right now. You're saying, like, ah, if you, if you are not feeling like being vulnerable right now, then so be it. That's kind of, that was what was coming up for me the other day in the therapy session I was referencing, where I was like, oh, yeah, there's sadness under there that you're not quite feeling. And my therapist... It's like, if you don't want to feel it right now, like, okay, you know, it's there, like sort of bookmark it for the future. Everyone gets a break right now, right? In the, in coronavirus times, if you don't feel like being vulnerable, you don't feel like being vulnerable. So I like how you're being gentle with yourself there. But the way you responded to that, I think led to what was coming up for me, which was just like, this sounds kind of normal to me too like you you met this person. This is a new relationship. There's a reason people have courtships and they date and they don't move in together right away unless it's, an arranged marriage i've been watching that's what we call this yeah we call this our arranged marriage yeah yeah arranged marriage is on my mind if any, if you watch unorthodox you <laughs> are reminded how how ridiculous of a concept it is to go from not knowing someone to sharing a life with them it do sounds- you think it would be helpful for me to watch that
0: show can that is should that be homework for me i'm just curious because this is such a weird thing her and i are doing
1: I don't think it would be that germane to the situation. We could probably find better. (laughs) We could possibly. Besides what? Yeah sorry go, go on i don't know i'll have to think more about the parallels between unorthodox and your life this episode sponsored by unorthodox <laughs> what if the
0: rest Please, of all netflix. our future It's <laughs> just jordan can recommending Jeff Bezos, different programs Jeff
1: Bezos and netflix sponsors at the same time because when we come out of coronavirus of course those are pretty much going to be the only two yeah that's basically <laughs> it companies left on earth <laughs>
0: What if every every Not Therapy episode is just a subtle or not so subtle endorsement? You know, Adam, yeah. as you're talking about your mother, I can't help but thinking what would really help you is watching Avengers Endgame because of the <laughs> archetypal, <laughs> just totally, uh, you know, that conflict, that conflict with your brother just makes me feel like uh, Tiger Ugh. King is really going <laughs> to...
1: Just reminds me of the dif- the difficulties Thor was having <laughs> with his mother <laughs> in Avengers 7. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is I, this is maybe this is just normal. Hell yeah! I mean, this you, is just wanna thing, g- I, you just want to you just want to have some semblance of a of a typical courtship and dating experience, right? Like you don't you don't want to know yet that she doesn't tend to hang up her towel after she takes a shower. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, want- she doesn't. I know
0: this <laughs> <laughs> monster. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and this is what we've talked about this before. So when we were when we were first quarantining together mid March when this first hit, where we had five days together, and then she left. And part of why she left is she said, "I don't want to throw out the baby with the right. bathwater. I don't yeah. want to throw out the baby of this relationship that we feel could be really viable with the bathwater of these pandemic circumstances that are going to make any relationship more challenging." And. Then I'd been feeling when she came back, like actually this, this, this bath water is pretty, it's pretty comfortable for this baby. Like it had been going really well, but now I'm back to feeling, I don't know if I said this previously on the podcast, but I said to her not long ago, I said, you know, I think our baby is viable, but I think we may be raising a quite different baby than we would be if the bathwater were ordinary mm. or, Maybe we're going to raise the same baby, but this baby, we're giving this baby human growth hormone. It's growing up a lot faster. Things that we would discover ordinarily two years into a relationship, we're discovering after 23 straight days of living together.
1: And as I learned from going through puberty very late and having my parents bring me to a pediatric endocrinologist for a consult because I was so desperate to (laughs) speak have puberty sprout that i wanted to get shots to induce it and the doctor said you know i can do this but it, it your growth plates would cl- will close sooner than they otherwise would and it could cost you about an inch of height in the future hmm and um yeah and i don't know if i mentioned that before but like even at that age i had a good sense to know like no i don't think that's a good idea like just because you want to be able to hit a home run in little league like you should probably milk this for every inch of adult height as you can (laughs) i'm like thank thank fucking god (laughs) my parents had the same conclusion um yeah it's right uh, maybe
0: we're raising something so that maybe we're raising uh a baby a relationship that is ultimately going to achieve less of the potential it could have by dint of its accelerated growth.
1: Yeah, but but beyond the I don't want to focus too much on the outcome, the orientation to the outcome. The baby that is growing in this bathwater. Cuz I think I think what's important more is paying attention to your how the pace is landing with you emotionally. Not for the abstract reason of the I care about this woman and the relationship may or may not work out, but for the just like as someone comes into your life, as someone comes into your space, as you open to somebody, what pace works for you? And I think one of the things I'm most interested in this conversation right now is like, yeah, what's what what what's going on for you in? this feeling that it seems like is coming up that you want a little more space. You want to go a little more slowly. And with that, maybe comes some fear that asserting that boundary with her is potentially going to hurt her or something. I just, that's sort of where I feel it's most important to pay attention to, not what's going to happen to our relationship down the road. If we do X, Y, or Z, do you, do you know what I mean there? Yeah, I, I do know what you mean.
0: Um, I I don't think I'm too concerned about it hurting her because she gave me this reassurance that she wouldn't feel rejected, and I actually do believe her, I really okay. do. We, we We communicate, she's very clear, and certainly that could change, and I think she would tell me that, but also I feel like even if it would hurt her, if I felt like this is what I needed, I don't think I would be hesitant to communicate that, just because i'm concerned about it hurting her. Yeah. I think my concerns Yeah, i i don't know if it's that it's going too fast or if it's that i guess maybe a fear is maybe we've pressed fast forward and i'm finding that maybe we're again, i i i don't want this to end. But also, it's worth saying, I don't want to want it to end. Do you know what I mean? There's a desire to have a desire to have this continue.
1: Yeah, it's been. I don't know what that means exactly. It's been so long, and you're. I could imagine you. I could imagine you feeling like, oh, I had such hopes for this. It's been so long. Like, I don't want to mess up. I don't want another one to.
0: No, it's actually not that. It's not that. I feel pretty um, because we've talked about this, but in the months leading up to Clara, I was meeting a lot of other women. Right, yeah. And I actually look at this as like, oh, I kind of, if nothing else, I've kind of learned that I can do this. I can open my heart and have a deep connection with a woman and yeah. not to sound arrogant, I mean, and obviously this does not apply during pandemic lockdown <laughs> times, but in normal or some semblance of normal times, I have, I, I'm pretty confident that I will find other women who I can connect with. Having said that, Clara is special. I'll yeah. never meet another Clara. She's a powerful, unique person. So I think it is more specific to her rather than this. This more yeah. kind of oh, I don't want to lose a, 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 an opportunity. It's more no, I don't want to lose her. I absolutely don't want to lose her. And I don't think. Yeah, it's
1: you don't it, it's, want to want. To, so you.
0: My biggest you fear. Don't want, let me put it this yeah. way. My biggest fear right now would be that I decide that I don't want to be in the relationship. What a weird yeah. thing. No, And not because I'm afraid of hurting her Because I'm afraid of losing her But if I'm afraid of losing her Then this is the tautology part If I'm using that word right If I'm afraid of losing her Then then I won't lose her if it's up to me So then I don't have to be afraid of losing her
1: Yeah If
0: I'm afraid of losing interest Then I'm not losing interest Otherwise I wouldn't be afraid of losing Does that make sense?
1: (laughs) Yeah I think so If I didn't value the
0: relationship, I wouldn't be afraid of losing
1: interest. Right, and I, yeah, and what I brought into that was sort of the example from my own mind, which is an independent factor of being afraid of hurting someone that can exist outside of them, of not wanting to be with them. Uh, And it sounds like that's not so much fitting for you, but the curiosity then is, yeah, if say you don't want to be with her if if perhaps you don't want to be with her anymore is there some other force acting on you it seems like you're afraid that there's something you're not aware of influencing you and potentially putting distance between you and her that you don't and and you're yeah there's maybe a fear of being manipulated by some shadowy force that you're not quite in touch with Yeah. 5G man. 5G. Uh, It all comes back to the 5G. (laughs) No, but what
0: you're saying, I I don't, I don't want to make a joke about this. I think you nailed it there. I think, yeah, because I don't, I'm not losing interest in her. I'm not. I think what may be happening though, is maybe some of the honeymoon, you know, when, when she visited me in New York, we could barely sleep because we were up all night talking. We were like, we have to sleep. Even a couple of weeks ago before she went to her parents there was there were some nights where it would be like 3:30 in the morning and we're still just talking in bed and we just haven't had that recently and that could be a function of we're just spending a lot of time together i guess one fear i have and i don't necessarily think this is the case is it could be that we have pressed fast forward on this relationship and if you think of relationships as Many relationships have a certain point where you reach where you're like, okay, we've reached the end of this relationship. Maybe I don't think this is what's happening, but I'm just throwing this out there hypothetically. Maybe if this relationship under ordinary circumstances would have lasted three years before we reached a point where we felt like, okay, we've kind of <laughs> gone as far as we can. Well, now we've reached it in a month of quarantine.
1: But as I'm That's saying this, I still like did we, yeah, did we just like did we burn? Did up we burn all up the fuel? Did we, Yeah. <laughs> For a trip to did Mars, it, exactly. Did we? Yeah. yeah. Did it, we
0: could have used this fuel to circumnavigate the globe five times over, but we did ultra warp turbo, and we, uh, you know, we we we're, we're running on empty
1: now. I don't think that's the yeah. case. I, but I hear. And I, I definitely I, think the opening up the question about the end of the honeymoon period is important, and that's a very common dynamic that that happens for people is. Um, getting carried away with the early, early love, intense phase where the juices are really flowing in your hearts. Oh, those (laughs) juices! (laughs) juices. (laughs) (laughs) The juices are really flowing in your your hearts. Yes, yeah.
0: Got to got to keep that non explicit rating on the (laughs) podcast.
1: We've worked so hard for it. I think we actually are explicit. uh, Yeah, we are. Yeah, where the where the heart juices are flowing, you know, where you are really gaga for each other, Um, and I think a lot of people get, uh, you know, can be addicted to that part, and then once the lustre wears off, um, have trouble maintaining interest or get confused, or so many things can go on there in that space that are hard for people.
0: And I, her and I talked about this, and that's what she. Sort of thought was going on. She said, "In her experience, it's like, yeah, usually, usually." She said, "Around four months." She told me about her other lover, and she remembered she was recalling. <coughs> Excuse me, just a bit of COVID there. Um, <coughs> I'm editing out that joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the COVID. she was she she was relating how, with her other lover, it was like four months in where suddenly her and him were able to spend the night together and actually sleep rather than being up all night talking yeah and yeah it 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 may just be that and it may also be that when you start to sorry neighbors um <clears throat> it may also be that under ordinary circumstances you're you're dating right you're seeing each other a few times a week and so and, and
1: so I laugh you know for it, me like normal day <laughs> i've been a, i've been a busy guy and as we know i'm i have some avoidant tendencies for me sometimes like once every couple of weeks is enough Is <laughs> enough and I've, right I've, I've told that to me when they're like you're a psycho dude <laughs> yeah once every couple of weeks once a month that sounds like dating <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, it's our third date. We've been together for 6 years, I think. Uh, I think tonight's the night. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um normal dating. Yeah, and as as discussed, I have not followed typical dating patterns either. Though mine has been in a sort of the the other direction of more just sexual relationships without much much traditional dating. But but let's let's say we her and I were dating under more typical circumstances and a more typical pattern where we might, and a dating where you're really excited about each other. So you're seeing each other a few times a week. So yeah, you have four or five hours together and then you're apart for a few days. And it gives you an opportunity to fill up that well of longing, to fill up the well of your own experiences. And then when you Mm. get back together again, there's you wanna share what's happened. You wanna commiserate on your losses, celebrate your victories. And we're not getting any of that. So it's possible that this, yeah, it's, it's falling. If this is indeed the end of the honeymoon period, it's falling more heavily or it's more of a heavy contrast because it's like, oh, we're together all the time and we have nothing to draw upon outside of our shared experiences. And our shared experiences are monotonous. They're hanging out at this house or thank God, we do go to the beach once or twice a week. And those are often our sweetest times together.
1: Yeah, it sounds challenging uh, as a premise for a budding relationship. And yeah. And it's not surprising to me that it has brought up some, uh, some ambivalence, some confusion, some feelings of being overwhelmed, not knowing what you want, needing space, all of that sounds... I feel like... Very yeah. understandable to me. I,
0: I feel like I'm not valuing the relationship as highly as I would if it were more we're seeing each other a few times a week. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm, I'm not appreciating because, I don't know, I don't know if it's a taking for granted or, yeah. So it's, again, the feels- question
1: is if we are if we are going to accept the premise that this is normal, uh, which I, I feel like we're, very we're abnormal sort of times. To, yeah, that this is no, what what you're feeling now is normal. The, wanting a little more space, wanting to uh, simulate more of a normal intensity and um, time spent together of a of a how you would normally be dating someone right now. If we accept, if we're going to accept that that's normal. The question is. Is something standing in the way? Is something for you standing in the way of acknowledging that that's normal? That there's no. Does it still feel like there's you know some shadowy force in your psyche getting in, getting in the way of you accepting that? I still feel like there may
0: be some unacknowledged vulnerability that I'm afraid of. And I do still feel like there's a part of me that is always going to try to keep me alone and safe and comfortable. And I don't know how much that part is pulling levers right now. But what I do feel more clear on is that if that part is at work here, it's not only that part. And also what I come back to is, there's no real loss in dialing it back a little bit if we dial it back a bit and it feels like oh wow i really miss having her here more Mm -hmm. then we can we can return to the the way it was Mm -hmm. and i think yeah yeah, it's it's really just me deciding how much do i want to dial it back and part of me feels like maybe it's something like we spend i i don't know there's a few different configurations that occurred to me. I was thinking about this earlier today. And one is maybe we have three nights together, three nights apart, kind of switching it off that way. It feels like three is sort of the minimum to kind of get into a real groove on your own or together. But the other possibility is to really try to simulate more of a typical dating pattern, which is you know maybe once or twice or even three times a week. And as I say that, I feel myself feeling like, yeah, I'd rather it be three times a week. I, I do feel like I'll miss her. But a certain number of times a week, it's like she comes over, you know, late afternoon. We go for a walk. We have dinner. We spend the night together in a more intentional, conscientious way. Because part of it, of mm-hmm. course, is when we're together all the time, a lot of our time, quote unquote, together is actually not together. She's yeah. doing her own work. I'm doing my own work. And that's not bad. But maybe it would be better to be like, okay, when you're here, we're here because we're spending time here together. And when we're doing our own work, that's when we're not together and having yeah. a few nights a week where, yeah, she comes over, you know, in the evening, she leaves the next morning or next afternoon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't, know. do you want me to respond on the level of that? Of the like the pragmatics of it, uh, if you have thoughts, sure, I, I'm open I, to them. Nah, I don't really. <laughs> 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 I'd say more than once every two weeks, because I do hear her yeah. point. I, I I don't remember exactly what you said. She said, but it, you know, something to the effect of there is some getting back in sync when you've been apart. Yeah, and I I definitely that has. I think that's. One of the many, uh, one of the many pitfalls of the way that I've tended to date <laughs> is right. um, is like you know, and, and part of that ha- has been a function of me being very busy you, during my. Yeah, life. you
0: literally don't recognize your dates, but between the second and third <laughs> date, due to just natural hey. progression of aging. <laughs> 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 remember, you having gray hair.
1: Oh, your kids got a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that staying in sync. And and giving it enough time to stay and sick. That's all. But yeah, I don't really want to get into the pragmatics with you, partially because yeah, I think I, I have anything to offer. <laughs> right, yeah. um, and I, I think wanted it's to a g- conversation with her. Totally. Too. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> so my therapist and I figured it out. <laughs> We've decided. Here's Tuesday, your visitation Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Here's uh, now because no because may has five weeks it's actually we're gonna stagger uh, <laughs> and in june we're gonna start up. Uh-huh. now this idea came up when you were talking about um you know the idea that normal you know it's totally normal to want to scale back right now and also there might be a part of you that's trying to hide from some vulnerability maybe one is i love how you're just um you're al- you're allowing that Um, that, you know, desire to avoid vulnerability, which is, you know, which is a little sort of a shadow element. It's a, it's sort of a relic of maybe a a part of you that's a little more afraid, a little less confident, whatever. It's not some, it's not a, you know, is it fair to say that that's not a part of you that you think is coming from, you know, your highest self, this fear of vulnerability?
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think it's coming from my highest self, but yeah. I want to interject one thing there, which is I do think I wouldn't, I also wouldn't reduce it to some sort of shadow thing. Cause I do think it's a universal thing. I mean, well, I guess totally. I'm stating the yeah. obvious, but I think right. everyone has a certain tolerance of vulnerability. And I think even when you're married to someone for 50 years, you're still negotiating within yourself. How vulnerable am I going to be? How, how much? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like that reframing that it's a normal. Yeah. Bringing it out of the shadow. And just accepting that. But we are always titrating our vulnerability, even when we've been with someone for married for 70 years. Say two guys who who, who who get freaked out if they see the same woman more than twice a month. <laughs> so, it me of this insane thing that a friend sent me the other day, just for, as a laugh. A conference. A, a, this is a serious thing that's happening in the world. Apparently, a conference for women on how to like on femininity and how to whatever reclaim your femininity, how to be a woman put on for women by a group of men, by like a group of like, <laughs> you know, like dis- like disgusting chauvinist, like young right wing, <laughs> oh, really? stream that's going yeah, also to it. It's pretty horrifying, but maybe, you know, it's kind of. Maybe they want, as guest <laughs> <laughs> they want us as guest speakers. Listen from two guys who got this relationship shit figured out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I
0: also do want to say, though, that, yeah, it is. So I think it is something that everyone, I love the phrase you used. Everyone is always titrating their vulnerability, no matter how long you've been with someone to some extent, but I also do think, yeah, there is, I do have a concern that, well, it's a choice, right? I, I want to choose. I don't think you get any moral points for this, but I have made the decision to choose greater vulnerability. Right, And so I want to, if I'm now choosing at some level to to dial back my vulnerability, I want to be conscious of,
1: oh, this is what is behind yeah. these decisions. Yeah. But what I wanted to respond to is, is even if that's, um, that desire to avoid some vulnerability you know if we are going to allow for a moment that you know maybe that's coming from a place of fear in you that's coming from a place of a wounded child in you or something that i love how you're just allowing it to be there that you're acknowledging that these i'll use the word shadow again which we can get more into in the future sort of a term that comes from the Jungian tradition of psychoanalysis and psychotherapy. You know, if we're accepting that this is a part of you, that's, that's in the shadow. That's a little warded off. That's you' less proud of represents a little p- place of pain. You're just, you're acknowledging that it's there. We all have our shadow. We all have shaping our motivations for doing anything in the world. Things that we're less proud of greed, lust, fear, in confidence and i think it's really important that you're not trying to like root it out and extinguish it you're saying oh yeah there's a little maybe a little bit of fear there okay well I'm, I'm aware of it i'm when when we're aware of things like that we can manage them we can allow them to be there acknowledge the role they play in shaping our actions but not let them totally take control like the great mr rogers quote um what's mentionable is manageable
0: you're sort of I've seeing it
1: and just yeah i love that one yeah it's great Um, and that also that leads to the the second point i wanted to make regarding that concept is uh, a psychoanalytic idea called multiplicity of purpose which is basically just acknowledging that in everything we do or not maybe not in everything we do but in so many things we do there's not one motivating factor you can want to scale back the amount of time you're spending with clara right now because it's a sober calculated decision that this makes the most sense you want to date this way it's rational or it's for her interest or it's altruistic or whatever and there can also be some fear behind it and those it's 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 not one or the other it's like i can want to i can you know you and i can we i think we've talked about this in relation to this podcast too it's like we can simultaneously want to do a podcast because we want to like, um, you know, some really altruistic reason, which I think we both have. We want, we want to, yeah, we
0: want, we want people to get something from this that ultimately can help at least some people, some of the time.
1: Yeah. We want to educate people about therapy and mental health and, you know, being vulnerable and this and that. Um, And we also want people to love us to fix the deep gaping holes. We're also looking at our (laughs) download stats every time we put out an episode. And we're not looking at them like, oh, how many people did we help
0: with this episode? (laughs) Please, somebody love me. Our percentage of people helped is down 15% from (laughs) the people we helped last episode. Yeah, make no mistake, listeners. You are are metrics. You are not. The
1: advertisers are really not going to be happy with how many people we helped this week. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Bezos of purpose. insists
0: we help more people if he's going to give us a 5% off coupon for <laughs> wet wipes. Yeah, no, and I, I like that because the multiplicity of purpose thing is in contrast to something we've talked about a lot, which I think is a real signature of my thinking, or at least it has been in the past, and most people with OCD, which is this black and white thinking. Yeah. Am I a good person or a bad person for doing this? Am I Do I have her interests at heart, or am I being selfish? Yeah, And I think there there is a lot of that. And I feel like it's good to keep that in mind. And it's also good to keep in mind that I've talked to a few other friends about this and the consensus from everyone is like, kind of relax, dude, it's a pandemic. Like don't. It don't it's really hard to draw overarching universal conclusions about this relationship from in these circumstances. But what I do think I can draw some conclusions about that is, again, encouraging is, yeah, I feel like I'm riding this wave pretty well with her in that it it feels, I mean, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot, and we haven't talked much about this, but I'm seeing, I didn't think of myself as a passive aggressive person, and I don't think I'm, <laughs> Jordan, oh, what are you yeah. laughing about, oh. Jordan?
1: <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, what do you mean by that, Adam? <laughs> I'm surprised to hear you say that. <laughs> no, but I see with her, and she's called it out, little things I can do sometimes where I, like, I made some comment about how she loads the dishwasher in, in a jokey way. And I thought I was being jokey and affectionate, but actually, no, there was a little bit of a barb there. And I, so it's this whole idea of relationships being a mirror, which is, you know, the oldest idea in the book, but yeah, I'm seeing that in small yeah. ways. I guess what I'm saying is I think in some ways this relationship is absolutely helping me grow, be a better, more conscious person. And it is, and I feel like I haven't emphasized this enough because by, well, maybe not by definition. I was going to say by definition in therapy, maybe it's better to say by definition, the way I approach therapy is, oh, there's a problem to be solved. And so it should probably go without saying that there's a lot of really, really good stuff in this relationship that I don't talk about much here because I'm not concerned about it. And perhaps one of the best things is just overall, it feels like there is a richness in my life that um, you know I was missing. And it's not simpler. It's not, one thing that's become clear to me, and I've said this to Clara a few times recently is, man, just seeing my fantasies of what a relationship would be like come into collision with the reality is so humbling in the best possible way. Mm. It's so instructive to 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 see like, oh yeah, I imagined, because in my fantasy, it's just the good parts. It's just, oh, I'd be enjoying an experience alone, like going on a hike, you know, in past years. And I'd imagine what would it be like to be sharing this with a woman? And we've talked about this before. And the reality is sometimes, oh, there's just this other human being here kind of in my space and I feel a little bit awkward. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So just seeing the constant sacrifice that being in this relationship entails, not sacrifice so much of what I want to what she wants, but sacrifice of these kind of fantasies and ideals and seeing yeah. the, uh, yeah, it's it's been it feels like I'm living life in a in a bit of a different and more grounded way as a result of this relationship and I'm I'm grateful
1: for that. I yeah, I appreciate how you've been focusing on the negative and difficult aspects and not wasting my time with this Saccharin bullshit, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you know your time
0: it. is valuable. You're charging me zero dollars an hour. I don't want it.
1: You can take that kumbaya stuff somewhere else. No, but I. Um, that's a joke. Obviously, that's so beautiful. Um, the what you said about growth really landed with me. It was it made me think about yeah the idea of of growing in relationship with another person has been really helpful for me in just in the last couple years in in helping me answer questions about where do i see this going like what's happening with this relationship um a friend told me once i'll never forget this she said i think Everyone, no matter if it's uh, you're going to marry this person, if it's a a one-night stand, a weekend fling, whatever, everyone comes into your life to teach you something and for you to teach them something. And you know that it's over. If it's over, you know that it's over when you've determined that there's nothing else to learn from each other. And I've found that so helpful because as... One of the things that's so tricky about being young and dating is that just odds are numerically most of the, any average person you meet and start dating, just the, the odds are very much stacked toward the conclusion that this is not going to go anywhere. You know, it's sort of like macabre to think about. It's like you meet someone, you go on a great first date, you're like, oh wow that was wonderful like still probably a 95 percent chance that i'll you know i'll never you know what do you mean by go not anywhere. going anywhere like we yeah, will i guess well that's yeah because that's what what i that shows sort of the um the binary thinking that i fall into because the i think the assumption that we get from the culture is that it's worthless if it's if you don't die with this person like, right and know, this is like what that's comes what we're talking to the like, monogamy thing did, yeah with, did you die together or not oh it's total right. I think dan savage talks about right that really beautiful. That is, oh, tra- yeah straight monogamous culture it's like oh you didn't <laughs> that was a misstep
0: if you didn't yeah. a, oh
1: man, what, a, what a you're only together for seven
0: years before yeah. you got divorced and yeah and had two beautiful children no it's and this is the polyamorous thing to, has been yeah that's,
1: yeah i think that's really liberating and and reorient. but even i don't i've i've played with uh, non-monogamy and polyamory some i don't know where i fall on that still but you know even if i take that out of the equation just or reorienting it toward a learning and growth mindset is like, Oh, this person might've come into your life for, yeah, for seven years of wonderful partnership and then it will end. And that's not a failure. Or this person might've come into your life for three dates. And instead of approaching dating with the attitude of like, Oh God, I got to go on three dates with someone and then I'm going to figure out that it's not right, and it's just going to be more wasted time. And I don't have time for that. It's like, oh, like, man, you better if it's only going to be three dates with someone, you better learn everything you can because this is an interesting yeah. person who has something to teach you. So, like, yeah, you may conclude after three dates it's not going anywhere. But so you better, you better soak up all that connection and learning. I, I like that because
0: if I look at it as that framework as a decision making framework for Clara? And again, I'm not. There's, I'm not, and I have never seriously thought like, oh, I want this to end. But if I do look at it that as a guiding principle, then there's no question because yeah, I'm still learning a, a lot, a yeah. lot. I mean, how could I not being in this sort of relationship with someone who, who is that strong and that clear in her own desires and, and after it's, it's been so long where I haven't been in a relationship like that. So yeah, thank you. This, is, this has been really helpful.
1: Right, I'm glad. That'll be zero dollars.
0: <laughs> Do you accept uh uninsurance? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I take that plan. <laughs> Excellent. All right.
0: Well, here's my imaginary card. Um
1: <laughs> I have it on file, don't worry. I-
0: I, I will copay you with a hug when we're when such behavior
1: is allowed. oh my God hug, I don't know how many maybe, well, you've had a lot of hugs. I've had you know I could probably count the number of hugs I've had since coronavirus started on fortunately two hands now it, until recently it was one hand. It was like, man, a hug a hug when you're in a real hug desert can be like a spiritual experience.
0: I just, I just had an insight where this whole episode may seem so unsympathetic to the majority of people who are not in any sort of intimate relationship they're like wait you get to be with another human and touch them and hold them and kiss them whenever you want shut the fuck up with your bullshit problems
1: <laughs> I mean, the list of reasons why our conversations may make us seem unsympathetic to a great many people it's like <laughs> yeah could fill a whole website but we do what we can yeah, we do what we can for the metrics and to help people, and to help people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: to help as many people as possible. So we'll see what the growth rate of helping is for this episode, but um all right. Well, I'll I'll keep you posted, and, and thanks, man.
1: You're welcome, man. Much love. Talk Look soon. forward to the next one. Talk soon. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you, too.